Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Baldface Truth. I'm Stephen Bond filling in for John Kanzano. John, he will be back tomorrow for a normal show, 3 to 6. Throughout the state of Oregon, I'll be back in my normal chair, running the board. Usually back in his normal chair, but for now, you got me, Stephen Vaughn, hosting the show. Coming up right now, we got Sean Hyken, Rose Garden Report. Everyone wants to know about the Portland Trailblazers, what they're going to do with third pick and the offseason. So let's get Sean Hyken on here right now. Sean, thanks for joining me here on the Bald Face Truth. How you doing? Doing all right, Stephen. How about you? I am doing well, man. Uh, you know, let, let's just get this right out of the way. Number three pick, Portland Trailblazers have... Do you, do you have a good sense? Do you have a sense of what the Blazers are going to do with that third pick? Some people want the trade. Some people want the draft pick. Are you getting a sense either way, one way or the other, what they're going to do with that number three pick? I have no idea, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, I don't think anybody knows what they're going to do yet because I mean, you have, you have to keep in mind, there's the only thing about this draft that's a hundred percent known. There's no drama about whatsoever is what San Antonio is doing at one. Like that, that's the only thing that's completely off the board. Everything else, like Charlotte has two and you know, there's a lot of rumors out there. And I heard this even going back to lottery night that maybe they really like Brandon Miller, but then also, you know, you go back to last year at the draft that, uh, you know, everybody thought Jabari Smith was going to be the number one pick. And then, an hour before the draft, suddenly all the betting lines started moving, and now Paolo Bancaro is the number one pick. So, until you know what happens, then you just you don't know like what they're gonna do. And I think what Charlotte does it too, whether they take Brandon Miller, whether they take Scoot Henderson, whether they trade the pick to one of these teams that's looking to move up to take one of those two guys. Obviously, that's gonna change what is possible for Portland. I. Don't you know? I don't know which of the the guys they could take at three. I don't know who they value the most. They brought in Scoot Henderson for a workout. They brought in the twins, uh, Ahmed and Asar Thompson. They did that a couple of weeks ago. They haven't brought Brandon Miller in yet. I think that's going to happen probably at some point in the next few days. So I don't know since they haven't brought everybody in yet. I don't know like who they have where on their board or who they like the most. And then again, when it comes to trading the pick, that's going to depend on who's there. You know if. Scoot is there, you're going to get different offers than if Miller is there, and you know different teams are going to be interested or not, and that's going to change what happens. So it's really going to it's going to come down to while they're on the clock. That's the only thing I think I can say pretty solidly is that nothing is going to happen one way or the other until Charlotte does whatever they're going to do, and then you know that five minutes where they have to make a decision, that's when the decision is going to be made. Yeah, I mean nine days away from draft, it's going to be craziness. I mean that second pick, what Charlotte does is going to really decide the entire draft. And uh, as a uh, as a gambler, I remember the whole drama with Paolo Bencaro and Jabari Smith Jr. Like those lines changed so much. So you know, had me looking at the uh, the lines right now. Right now, Brandon Miller, he's minus two thirty to be the second overall pick. Scoot Henderson, the favorite to be the third. So you know that is what it is. What it is. What it is. You know, worth yeah. nothing. But could uh, be posturing. It could be. It could be. You know, you talked about Scoot coming in. Uh, working out with the Blazers, you know, I know you talked to him a little bit. You guys interviewed him. What, what were your impressions of uh, Scoot Henderson? Played for the G League uh, Ignite last season, 19 years old. What were your impressions of the young man? Very impressed with him from a media standpoint, and I've heard nothing but good things about him as like as far as like character stuff, work ethic stuff, personality stuff, all that kind of stuff. I've only ever heard great things about him from that standpoint. So I think just from that standpoint, and obviously I haven't watched a ton of G League stuff, but 
I think whoever ends up getting him, whether that's Charlotte or Portland or some team that trades into one of those spots, I think whoever gets him is going to be very happy with him. I, I, unfortunately, they don't let media actually watch the workout, so I don't know how he did. I only see what they put out, what the team puts out on social media, which, of course, they're only going to show the good stuff. So, I, But as far as I know, I think he did very well at that workout. So I, I – uh, you know, the question with him would be, you know, if they keep the pick and he's there and they decide to take him, like, how does that fit with Dame? What does that mean for Dame? Like, can they play together? What, you know, what does all of that mean? But, you know, I, I've only ever heard everybody that I've ever talked to that has spent time around Scoot or has watched Scoot a lot. They, you know, everybody's saying, you know, if Victor Wembanyama wasn't in this draft, he would be the clear cut number one pick. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, talking about Scoot, it seemed like he came across really well in the interview portion um, of that workout. We're talking to Sean Hyken, Rose Garden Report. Follow him at Hyken on Twitter. Uh, he's a great Twitter follower if you're a Blazer fan, giving you all the news there. Uh, you talked about Dame and Scoot, if they're fit together. I just want to talk about Dame real quick here. Um, you know, Dame puts out the Instagram video of him drinking wine, talking about what he actually said in that interview when, uh, you know, or reclarifying when he said, you know, if I were to play somewhere else, it'd be Miami or Brooklyn, but I expect to be a Portland Trailblazer. Is Dame, uh, do you think Dame's playing a little hardball with the Trailblazers, pulling out these Instagram videos, doing all these interviews, kind of saying, hey, Portland, you know, let's make a move without actually saying let's make a move. So, uh, you know, are the Blazers, you know, when the Blazers do end up trade that number three pick, are they kind of just giving in to Dame right now? Or is it uh, a thing that they really think they can contend for the future? I mean, it's going to depend on what they, and the reason I say I don't know whether they're going to keep the pick or trade the pick. I think if you and I, I realize trading the third pick is a much different ask than trading the seventh pick. But if you if, you know if, if you and I were talking a year ago this time, I would have been absolutely convinced that they were going to trade the number seven pick for some sort of you know win now upgrade, especially you know on draft night after they did the Jeremy Grant trade the day before. That was kind of the thought, and I know that they talked to Toronto pretty seriously about OG Ananobi like right up until when they were on the clock, and then they eventually decided that even though that would have been the move Dame, you know, would have been in favor of because he wanted them to just go all in and, you know, get win now guys and, you know, get guys that are more on his timeline. They felt like Toronto was asking for too much and they decided the higher upside play with that pick would be to keep the pick and take Shaden Sharp, which, you know, in retrospect, I think they're pretty happy with that decision. I don't think they're going to trade the pick just to trade the pick, just to get a, you know, quote unquote win now guy. If they don't get an offer that they like, like, I think, you know, the names that you've kind of seen thrown out there, you know, like a Mikhail Bridges, I think, is somebody, you know, if you talk about, like, whatever the other right pieces are that would be in the trade, I think that's something that they would consider. I think, like, Jalen Brown would somebody they would consider. But then, you know, when you, when you get into, like, like I don't think, like, OG Ananobi or, like, Zach Levine, for example, is what somebody that would be interested in. What about, in, like, in uh, Sam Sharani put out there, Brandon Ingram. That's the new one right now. What about him? Do you think he's a good fit in Portland? I think if they were going to do a trade with New Orleans, it would be somebody else, not Brandon Ingram, that they would be interested in if you kind of pick up what I'm putting down there. Yeah, it starts with the Z. Yes. I think just, just knowing what I know about the way this front office operates, and I know it's a pretty limited sample size because Joe Cronin took over as GM in, what, December of 21 after they fired Neil Olshay. So he's basically had two trade deadlines, one draft and one uh, free agency period. So, so it's a kind of limited sample size, but just knowing what I know about how this front office kind of operates and the types of moves they make and they don't make, they're going to go for the upside 
and in, in a lot of because the go you know going back to the draft which I just talked about when they you know didn't trade the pick for OG Ananobi and they took Shaden Sharp the two guys that they were kind of between for that pick were Shaden and Dyson Daniels who went one pick after that to New Orleans at number eight and the argument that you know there were some in the front office that wanted Dyson Daniels because they felt he was more you know plug and play ready to contribute from day one and be a rotation player on a playoff team whereas the argument with Shaden was it's going to take a little longer for him to be ready, but he could be an all-star if it really hits. And they went with the upside play where I think when you're talking about what they would maybe do, if they were going to do something with new Orleans, you know, Brandon Ingram is, is what he is. Like he's a good player. He's made a couple of all-star teams, but he's not changing your world. He's not, you know, Brandon Ingram is not making you a title contender. Whereas Zion, obviously it's a huge risk with the injury and the conditioning and the other stuff. But we've seen literally every time he's healthy and able to play, he's a, top five player in the league and if you you know you're betting that you know he's motivated by a change of scenery and you know he gets in better shape and Dame is good for him or if that happens you know now you know that's that's the highest upside play that you can make so I think just knowing what I know about how the front office approaches this stuff I think that's more what they would be interested in if they were doing something with New Orleans yeah, we're talking to Sean Hyken Rose Garden Report at Hyken on Twitter. Yeah, I agree with you with all the Zion stuff, but I do want to question this. Uh, we brought this up a little bit earlier, Sean. You know, with the whole Jailblazers era back in the day, is there any thought that off the court issues that Zion's having with uh, the female ladies, friends, and uh, Brandon Miller? We talk about him if he falls to number three. Uh, him and you know the murder case down in Alabama. Do, do the Blazers front office? Do you think do they consider that? where they wouldn't want to take on those type of issues and those type of drama things off the court because of the whole jailblazers era and how they had, took so long to get out of that, uh, you know, after that um, stigma that they had. Well, those are two very, very different situations that yeah. we're talking about here. I don't, I don't think the Zion stuff really factors into anything at all. That's, I mean, that's just the guy's personal life. And, you know, somebody that he apparently was in a relationship is maybe online more than maybe he would like her to be. But I, you know, I, 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 I don't I don't think that's going to factor into anything. The Brandon Miller stuff is a little bit more interesting because, I mean, and I'll fully admit I haven't read it. I've read a little bit about the case. I haven't read a ton about it. And so, I you know, I don't know how comfortable I am with talking about it, you know, fully, you know, openly having not, you know, read every single thing there is to read about it. But, you know, I do know that he wasn't charged and he's not going to be charged. So it's not like an existing legal thing. <laughs> You know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I, I do hear you. And that's, you know, it's a thought that I've had. And it's something other people have said to me about, you know, given, you know, issues that the, the organization has had in the past with this kind of stuff, you know, a decade or 15 years ago or whatever it was. But, you know, he's going to, whoever, when he meets with teams, and again, the Blazers haven't brought him in yet. So I don't know, you know, how that meeting is going to go. But whenever he goes into a meeting with Portland or Charlotte or any other team that he meets with, they're going to ask him about it because that's part of what they do. Obviously, a lot of what they do, they do with, you know, in-person visits is on-court workouts. But then, you know, it's basically also a job interview. You sit down with the GM and the coach and whoever else and the other members of the front office, and they want to talk to you and get to know you. And it's like, is this somebody that we want to bring into our organization? And so whatever did or didn't happen with, with that, you know, that, that night in Tuscaloosa, he's going to have to be able to explain it, and he's going to have to – uh, you know, make whoever wants to draft him feel comfortable about doing it. And so if he's able to do that, if they say, you know what, he wasn't charged and what he told us checks out with everything that's out there, you know, we feel okay about it. And I'll say this, like other, 
you know, they, they're going to have to, who, when, whatever team drafts him is going to have to, you know, be able to answer questions about it, which, you know, in, in, the, in the past, let's say, two years, uh, front office executives who made decisions that were controversial were maybe not prepared to in the past, if you will. Uh, Sean, I want to ask you about Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons. You know, the Blazers, they have been a terrible defensive team, to put it nicely. Uh, last four uh-huh. seasons, 27th, 30th, 29th, and 28th. And I mean, I, I I have a hard time putting that all on coaching. I know Terry Stotts wasn't a great defensive coach. Chauncey Billups, the jury is still out on him. If he is a good coach or not, I mean, I think it's unfair to judge him after two seasons when the roster is what it is. But you look at Anthony Simons, you look at Shaden Sharp, two guys who are very talented on the offensive side of the ball, but still lacking on the defensive side. And then we know Dame, you know, not known as a defender and hasn't really shown, you know, the willingness to be a really good defender in his career. Is there a scenario where Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp can play together on the same roster or, or is it really vital in this offseason to kind of, you know, decide which one you're going to build around and try to trade the other one? I think they kind of have known for a while that it's going to have to be one or the other, that they're going to have to decide. And I think Shaden kind of made that decision for them over the last month of the season. I, 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 if you go back to exit interviews, which happened on the last day of the season after that game against Golden State, both Joe and Chauncey were asked about whether those two can play together. And they both, they, they mean, they both, you know, they gave kind of this standard, like, you know, they're both very talented players with bright futures. But they kind of ducked the idea of saying, you know, yes, we think these two guys are, you know, these two plus same, like that's viable long term. They had they they very much did not answer that one way or the other, which kind of tells you everything you need to know because if they felt like they those those guys could play together, they would have definitively said yes. And then the other part of it that I think you have to keep in mind is if they're gonna trade the third pick, the type of guy that you're gonna be trading it for, whether it's any of these names we're talking about, you're going to have to be able to match salary. And I think, you know, Anthony Simon's making, what what is he making, like 23, 24 yeah. next year, something like that. That's going to, you know, be a big chunk of the salary matching. So I think just putting a lot of that stuff together, I think, and I've also, like, I've heard that, you know, not, you know, just from Blazer people, but from people with other teams who have called the Blazers about, you know, trade possibilities. Shaden Sharp is off the table. He, they are, they're not entertaining any kind of, trade proposals involving him right now. That's not somebody that they're interested in moving at all. So I think just, you know, putting two and two together, I think it's, you know, I, I, I think it's unlikely that both Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp are on the roster next year. Love to hear that. Love to hear uh, untouchable type of thing with Shaden Sharp. Uh, Sean Hyken, Rose Garden Report here on the Ball of Face Truth. We'll get you out on this one. Sean, uh, Denver Nuggets win the NBA championship last night. I kind of made the point of small market team in the Nuggets – they built their team through the draft. I know Jokic was a second-round pick. It wasn't by tanking, but Jamal Murray, you know, first-round pick, lottery pick, Michael Porter Jr., lottery pick, two, you know, three of their best players, all from the draft, and then they fill in the rest of the pieces through trades, not free agency. Bruce Brown is a free agent, but it wasn't a high, you know, high-money signing. The Blazers can afford that type of thing. Did the did the Nuggets show the Blazers the blueprint of how to become a contender uh, as a small market team in the NBA? Sure they did. I mean, you have to get the right guys. But, I mean, to me, what that shows, but then, you know, you look at however many, uh, you know, the past however many years of champions, there's no one right way to do it. If you look at, like, you know, that Warriors team has been together forever, but then, you know, the Warriors also have that run with Durant where, like, you know, you sign a superstar free agent and that does it. 
or, you know, you have Milwaukee where, you know, they drafted Giannis and I know Middleton wasn't a draft pick, but he, you know, was a second round pick who was traded there after his rookie year. He was there forever. And then they make that ball in trade with Drew Holiday for a million draft picks. And that ends up being the missing piece or, you know, Toronto has that kind of once in a lifetime, you know, Kawhi Leonard one year rental thing. And that ends up getting them like, I don't like anybody who says that like, Oh, this is the way to build a championship team. There's one right way to do it. Like that there, there clearly isn't. And I mean, you look at this Denver team, they remind me honestly a lot of the pre Durant golden state team that won the the first, the first title team in 2015, because you have one guy that's like a all time generational game changing, you know, talent. That's like an all time great player, like Nikola Jokic and like Steph Curry was kind of just starting to become at that point. And then you have, the exact right role players around them that all know exactly, you know, what they are and what they aren't, and they do exactly what they're supposed to do. And, you know, they have a coach that, you know, knows how to get the most out of them. That's kind of how you have to do it if you're not one of the markets that, you know, like a LA or a Miami or whatever that's going to get, you know, the big free agents. Sean Hike and Rose Garden Report. I want to thank you for uh, joining me here. I'm sure John will get you back on either before the draft or after the draft, after we know kind of what the Blazers did. So uh, thank you for joining me. Yeah. Good to talk to you, man. All right. Thanks, man. That was Sean Hyken Rose going to report here on the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn filling in for John Canzano. With that, we're going to take a break here before we wrap up the show. I got some final thoughts here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. The Bald Face Truth with John Canzano is on right now, but I am Stephen Vaughn filling in for John. John will be back tomorrow in his regular seat. I'll be back in my regular seat, but I just want to thank uh, John for letting me fill in for him. I want to thank Judah for letting me fill in. Uh, as well, host the show. Had a lot of fun today. Uh, you know, a little nervous, but uh, had a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I understand why people like to do it. Just talking sports and doing doing the good thing. It's a lot of fun. Uh, got me excited about college football again. Uh, can't wait for that. The Blazer stuff, nine days from the draft. I can't reiterate how close it is. It's just, it's almost there. And I cannot wait, Judah. Like, I cannot wait for the offseason to be over. I know it sounds so dumb because there's so much stuff that's going to happen within, you know, the next couple months with the Portland Trailblazers. But I just can't wait to see what the roster looks like. I'm tired of, you know, speculating on what's going to happen and getting in Twitter fights with people about how bad their opinions are and what they think. I just want to know what the roster is so then I can be like, okay, is this team good or is this team not? I just, I just need it to happen. I need things to happen. I need to know final what this roster is because I'm tired of just not knowing and speculating. Yeah, but the NBA, it's, it's an off-season league at this point. At least it feels that way. I'm just over it. I'm over the off-season. I, just give me games. Call me weird. Call me weird, but I enjoy the games more than I like the off-season and the trades and the free agents. I want to watch the games on the court, on the field. I find that way more fun, way more fun than just – the drama-filled off-season. But I tell you what, the Blazers' off-season is very important. And I think it's kind of like what we've talked about with John here when me and him are talking about the Blazers. The Blazers need to choose a direction. And whether that is to build around Damian Lillard and go for it this next season or it is to draft a draft pick with that number three pick and build for the future. And that doesn't mean you have to trade Damian Lillard. It, it doesn't. It doesn't mean you have to trade him this off-season. You can draft Scoot Henderson. And you can play him with Damian Lillard for a year because guess what? If you don't get the value for Dame, he's still going to be good enough where you can get him value for the next season. And you got to capitalize on that. We've seen so many times before when teams hold on to a player too much and they lose the value, right? We saw that with the Lakers and Kobe Bryant. They didn't want to trade him. They didn't want to. They wanted Kobe to retire Laker. Well, guess what? They ran all of his value out, and then nobody wanted him because he wasn't an effective player. 
you know, we said, you know, you see Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, they go for a bunch because they're in their prime. Dame is at the end of his career. You're running the risk. If you don't look to trade Damian Lillard, you're running the risk of it turning into a situation where you just don't get good value for him. Now, again, I'm not advocating that you need to trade him right now. If I were the Blazers, I would have been exploring a trade with Damian Lillard two years ago on the Shaden Sharp draft pick. I would have been exploring a trade for Dame that year. But I'm exploring it. You got to see what they can get out of out of him because guess what? This team is not a contender, and that's what I keep going back to. Just look in the past history. It's not hard. You can go and look back at how good teams were defensively in the NBA to win NBA championships. You got to be a top 10 defense in the NBA. In the last uh, 20 years, there's only been two teams that are outside of the top 10 in defense that have won NBA championships. It was the Denver Nuggets this season, and it was the Golden State Warriors back when they had Kevin Durant in 2018. Sorry, last 10 years. I said 20. I meant 10. Last 10 years, 2018 Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Yeah, that, that's not the Portland Trailblazers. They can be 11th in defense right outside the top 10, and they can win a championship. The Nuggets this season were 15th. Can the Blazers get lucky like the Nuggets did? Yeah. Are they going to play the 8th seed, a 4th seed, a 7th seed, an 8th seed, and have one of the easier roads to an NBA championship? I guess. If that is that what you're banking on? Is that what the Blazers are banking on to get lucky in the NBA playoffs and have teams get upset and then you have an easier road to the finals? I think that's tough to do. I think it's easier to try to build a top 10 defense, try to get better defensive players. And it's not easy. It's not easy by any means, as Sean Hyken said, to just snap your fingers and say, this is the right way to do it. And there's no one right way. But what the Blazers got to do, they got to get that top 10 defense. They got to get closer to the middle of the pack. They have a good offense. It's okay to sacrifice some of the offense for defense. I asked Hyken the question, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp. Guess what? Anthony Simons is a good player. He's 22, going to be 23 years old, averaged over 20 points a game, an elite shooter, one of the best shooters in the NBA. But you know what he's not good at? He's not good at defense. You can sacrifice a 21-point-a-game score for a guy who averages 14 or 15 points and plays really good defense. The Blats will win in the Portland Trailblazers. You're going to become a better team. I think the Trailblazers need to do that. And I might be way off base on that, Judah, but I'm willing to sacrifice some of this offensive firepower that the Blazers have. And the Blazers have some good offensive players. But you may need to downgrade talent on the offensive side to get more tough and get more of a you know a basketball player who just wants the ball and wants to play hard-nosed defense on the defensive side. Man, just aesthetically, too. Like, how fun would a Trailblazer team to root for be that plays really good defense you know and and like in this day and age of the nba that you know people play serviceable defense throughout the regular season and then they ramp it up come april come may i mean you can see it through your tv screen you're like this is why i love watching the playoffs because the defense is so intense like can you imagine having a team in portland that played intense defense i mean teams are averaging 115 118 points in the in the regular season they're not even cracking 100 in the finals like that's the difference like you need those type of guys and I'm with you, man. I would love to see a defensive team. And hustle put, like even Lowry last night, you know, tipping out a crucial rebound to get an offensive, you know, second chance. Like guys like that that are hustling all over the floor and making things. And I think Sharp can be that for the Blazers, but they obviously need a little bit more. And you need offensive talent for sure, right? You need to get bucket getters, but you need some defensive guys. And, and the last thing I'll say about this before we head out is if the Blazers do ever eventually trade Damian Lillard, if and when it ever happens, I tell you what, Rip City, it's going to be okay.
I promise you, it'll be okay. The Blazers will survive. You will survive, and the Blazers will eventually make the playoffs once again. I want to thank Judah Newby. I want to thank Sean Hyken for joining us. Thank John Canzano, as always. John, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm Stephen Bond. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.